Greetings, generations. It's so good to be home again. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to come back and be here much more frequently. Um, I have an in, a second interview with Refuge for Women and the Long-Term House tomorrow, so please be praying for me in that. I would love to be back in the area long-term again, so I'm excited about that. Um, if I haven't met you yet, please catch me after the service because I would love to meet you. I think I've think I've met everyone here, but maybe not. So it's good to see you all again. Glad you're here this weekend. Um, today we're going to be talking about biblical shalom. And, oh, there it is. Okay. Um, peace or shalom. The Hebrew word that is most often translated um, for sh shalom is peace. And yet peace is only a small aspect of shalom. Shalom is a lot bigger. So today we're going to talk about some definitions, we're going to go over some scriptures, and then we're going to have some application. So according, and I certainly need more peace in my life. Anybody else in the room need more peace? Only a couple of us. Okay. Well, you, you all can go play. No. <laughs> um, so according to the Oxford Dictionary, there it is. Um, Peace is either freedom from disturbance and tranquility, or it's a state or a period in which there is no war or a war has ended. Um, and then the shalom definition, according to John Linthcomb, is an all-inclusive, and it encompasses totality, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. Facets of it are bodily health, security, and strength, a long life ending in a natural death, prosperity and abundance, the su successful completion of an enterprise, victory and war, specifically for the Israelites. This is kind of getting them ready to go into the promised land. Um, so who wants to be on team peace? And who wants to be on team shalom? I want, I want the abundance. So, um, Shalom is so much more than the absence of war or disturbance. In the Hebrew community, when someone spoke their greeting, their greeting and their goodbye was the word shalom. So when they're speaking shalom to each other, they are, it's a comprehensive blessing, and um, it's for the entirety of life in every aspect. So I love that idea, and I'm still kind of chewing on it to think, how does that actually apply to my life? Because it's so much bigger than peace and what I've understood as peace in the past. So let's look at some verses. Um, so I have some helpers in the audience. Would John 14, 27, could you read that for me, please? So thinking about Jesus' promise to give us peace in light of shalom, that's so much bigger, you know, telling his disciples, he's preparing them for when he's going to leave, and they still don't quite understand what he's talking about, but they're trying to get it. So when he says, I leave you my peace, it's beyond understanding. Then we start getting a glimpse of that, that health, security, strength, um, rooted, rooted in, in God. Um, also, in, in the previous verse, verse 26 he, he tells us he's going to leave us his Holy Spirit. 
So they knew from the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was on the prophets and on the kings, but it wasn't like for the whole community. So he's telling them the Holy Spirit's going to come to you. So not only do they have the Holy Spirit, now he has the Holy Spirit and the peace. So I love that marriage of those two in our lives that he passes on to us. So if we're operating from a place of comprehensive peace, giving and receiving shalom from each other in the body of Christ, how does that affect our relationships? How about in our generation's community, which is our immediate body of Christ? You know, the body of Christ is all believers everywhere, um, but our specific example is our body right here. So we start working out our faith together. All right, um, who, Ephesians 4.3, please. No? Thank you. I love that idea of the, the bond of peace. Um, so if we're blessing each other with shalom, can we live in, in unity? There's definitely differences between denominations. There's differences between one congregation to the next, even in the same denomination. But if we are keeping Christ as our unifying foundation, can we listen to each other and respect each other's differences? Um, can we respect each other's opinions in love and agree to disagree over the minor things, but still hold fast to the truth, truth of scripture and the truth of gospel, letting the Holy Spirit be our guide um, so we can live in unity and peace. That's kind of a hanging question that I would like to see. Can we work that out? I would love to see that in, in, in action. I have trouble when someone else is trying to be my Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. And I cringe thinking about the times that I've tried to be someone else's Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive me. Um, our faith in Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection impacts changes, and it unites us. Salvation leads to transformation, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Romans 12, 2. Thank you. So we're commended to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Um, it's a process. Just recently, I have realized I have anxiety, and I've probably been anxious all my life. I didn't know what it was. I thought that was just normal. And so it's kind of, I'm still getting adjusted to the idea. And so this idea of peace, I thought it was very interesting. I've been, you know, writing and teaching about peace, and right, then it's like, oh, by the way, you're anxious all the time. Ah! So learning how to walk in peace has been a process for me, and it's taken on whole new meaning as I learn more about shalom, but also the reality of this is how your mind has been. Your mind has not been at rest. My mind has not been at peace. My mind has not been calm. So learning how to walk this out is, a, a, I don't have all the answers, so you all can help me figure it out. Um, so living from a place of, of shalom you know, where there's that totality, wholeness, well-being, harmony, health, security, strength, long life, abundance, successful completion of an enterprise, and victory. 
I definitely want that during my, you know, work presentation. Don't you want victory and success there or in your next quiz at school? Um, we want that, that victory. Um, and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in that peace. I need my faith community, my generation's body to help support me and hold me accountable. Um, but it is a process. It takes time. But with Christ, all things are possible. He tells us that in Mark 10, 27. In Corinthians 3.18, somebody read that one for me, please. So we're conformed into the image of Christ. So we're transformed, but then we're being conformed, we're being shaped into the image of Christ. And I know that's a lifelong process for me in my life. Um, so all of us as believers are called to be transformed and conformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of my life, I've been walking in a perfectionistic bent. And so I've been working, I'm an overcoming perfectionistic. Um, so learning to let that process of transformation and, and being conformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's a big deal to me. It's not by my strength. It's not by my might. It's not by my power. It's by his. And to grow, we must be transformed and conformed um, into his image because he embodies shalom. He is the completeness of shalom. Hebrews 10, 24, please. Thank you. I love that active image of spurring one another on. Um, you know, it kind of makes me think of the racehorses. You know, they're, you're, they're active, they're moving, they're going forward. So, or like people training to run a race where they're encouraging each other, not the competitive, I'm better than you, but the actual, you're learning together and you're encouraging each other to do the best that they can. So each of you can shine in your own area. Uh, Timothy, First Timothy three nine, please. I love that clear conscience, and it's I think definitely a peaceful con conscience. And then in Second Corinthians five seventeen, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, we are a new creation. We have a new way of living, a peaceful one. And being peaceful as a lifestyle makes us stand out from the crowd. Um, <clears throat> so the process of being conformed calls each of us to leave his or her own culture, which can be racial, ethnic, family culture, geographical culture, um, when we come to Christ. Unfortunately, throughout, you know, in history past, probably in the early days of America, when we would send missionaries overseas to different cultures, they would come and they would share the gospel. People would be transformed by the gospel. But unfortunately, a lot of times they also brought a white patriarchal culture and they were imposing that on the people. So instead of valuing their culture and what God had placed in them that is special and different and valuable, they were quenching a lot of that. That particularly happened in the Native communities. I learned a lot about that while I was in Alaska. Um, and so a lot of them are having to relearn some of their music using the drums again. 
and um, learn to value what God put in them that is special and unique and letting them create their own music and creating their own worship. Um, and some of the, so many of those native communities, they transferred, um, they had translated our old hymns into um, Siberian Yupik. And so they were singing the same songs but it wasn't their tunes, it wasn't from their heart, it wasn't in their heart language. So when I got to hear some of the ladies who had written um, songs in their language and hear them sing them out and in their tunes and in their pitch, it was, it was beautiful. Um, the last day that we were there, we were in a circle singing. Um, and I don't even remember which, it was a hymn in English. They were singing in Siberian Yupik and we were singing in English. And I still get chills just remembering it, but it was just like, this is a picture of heaven, you know? So singing the same song in different languages, it just, woo, you get chills all the way up here. So that's exciting. Um, so I think sometimes I think about, I'm wanting to tell people about the gospel, but I'm also wanting to enculturate them. And that's not Christ's way, you know? So it's making me realize I have to leave my own culture to tell someone else about Christ. And I have to learn about their culture so that I can pull out those signatures and those themes that God has put in them that are a reflection of God already. Um, so, and something that we learned about in, at Wheaton was talking in our theology class, you know, how often do we impose our culture on what we read in scripture? Because that's all we've known. That's what we've grown. Most of us have grown up with, and so different books and teachings. It was talking about letting the scripture read us, um, and I think that's that's an important concept that we're leaving aside our culture and we're trying to understand what was the original scripture trying to say um, to the people. So while I was also in YWAM, I began chewing, and I'm still chewing on the question: Have I been transformed to the degree that Jesus sticks out? You know, the light shining through the cracked pots. Um, am I, when people around me, can they tell that I'm different? So during one of the last discipleship training schools, um, I was co-leading the outreach, and my, my buddy for, for, for that outreach was Braden. He's young, big, six-foot-four guy, athletic, broad shoulders, and I wanted to have, I was doing a teaching with the, students to prepare them for outreach. And I wanted to have a visual example of that Jesus sticking out. So I asked him during my talk to put on my jacket. And he's like, Charlotte, I'm going to tear your jacket. I'm like, it's okay. I can sew it up. But I want that visual example. So at the right time, he pulls, he pulls on the jacket on one side and it comes up to about here. He starts to get his arm in the other sleeve and it's like the armpits just rip out. And then when he gets it on, it like comes up to about here. And so, you know, it looked pretty funny. But that was exactly the image I wanted them to see. It's like Jesus should stick out. He's too big to be contained within me and my small frame. He should stick out. He should shine through. Um, as we're purified more and more and we're conformed into his image, he should shine and stick out um, in us. So why does peace matter? Please shout out some ideas. Why does peace matter? Okay, the alternative being? Okay, dissensions. 
Thank you. Those are good. Anyone else? Chaos. Ooh. What'd you say, Karen? Oh, I was going to say we don't need that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially in the nursery. No. <laughs> so when my mind and my heart are at peace, I hear from the Lord more clearly. When I'm at rest, I can look to the needs of others. I know Jesus got me. And when I know he's got me, then I don't have to be thinking about the little details of my life. I can start looking out and saying, you know, my friend's really hurting. I need to sit and talk with them. Or we need to go, I need to spend some time with this person. You know, they're grieving and they're hurting. And I just want to sit and let them talk. Um, so it's a, shalom is a state of being and relating that Jesus set up as a model. Um, this way of living he called the kingdom of God. And while he was preaching on earth, um, the main thing that he spoke about was the kingdom of God. And he's saying the kingdom of God is already here. The kingdom of God is within you. There was actually a play, of, play on words. I read that recently, and that's not in my notes. So it was a, there was a play on words about the kingdom being among you and being in you. So the way he phrased it in Hebrew was very specific, specific, and the people listening would have heard and understand, understood that difference. Um, so, <clears throat> and Shalom is never hurried or rushed. I need a lot more of that. Um, <clears throat> so our Hebrew, Hebrew friends on Fridays wish each other Shalom Shabbat. So Shalom, as we know it in English, is peace. And Shabbat is rest, their Sabbath rest, because Saturday is their holy day. So starting at sundown on Friday, they have their 24-hour rest, and so they wish each other Shalom Shabbat, so peaceful rest. How neat to have, you know, just like um, that one day of rest. God created for six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. I kind of feel like he probably didn't need to rest, but he knew we needed that example to follow, um, so he rested. And probably he just thought, it's cool to rest. Um, and... Max taught me something new the other day. He said that resting is not vegging. In our American culture, vegging is kind of a culturally accepted thing. But he said it's not binge-watching Netflix. You know, binge-watching does not deliver rest. It's an unhealthy coping pattern. Um, and he said it's just like shooting up cocaine or getting drunk. It kind of numbs you out, but it doesn't give you rest. Um, I noticed when I was in school and studying and when I would finally get my assignments done, and it wasn't quite ready, time to get ready, supper ready for dad, I would sit there and play one of those solitaire, I forget which one version, and I would just, I would play it, and I'll think, oh, I'll play three or four games. Half hour later, and I would notice my mind would just kind of start shutting down, and, and it was kind of like dumbing down, and so I was aware, I was like, okay, I can see what's happening here. So I'd, I'd limit myself, but yeah, I could see how that, that you could kind of numb yourself out on that. So, bottom line, thank you. Um, these pictures, by the way, in the background are ones that I took while I was in Alaska, and they, were, they to me, represented peace. So, I'm hoping you're enjoying those. Um, so, the bottom line is biblical peace is so much bigger than what we in our Western world um, and Western culture could imagine. In our hectic lives, we can easily be consumed by the tyranny of the immediacy. 
And we, we desperately need shalom to keep our lives attuned to the Lord and be empowered by his Holy Spirit to walk in this countercultural fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.23 for the fruit of the Spirit. So all of us are on this journey together while we're on this earth. So let us support and love one another, not fix. I love the support group rules from, from CR, so that not fixing each other, but supporting each other. Let us spur each other on to love and good works. Let us hold to the truth, which gives us new life in Christ Jesus. And let us make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of shalom. So taking it home, ask yourself, how can I practice shalom? How can I practice it in my family, in my home, in my work, in my church, in my community? Okay, please shout out some ideas. Anybody have some practical, tangible ideas? How can you take this home with you and put it into practice? Be bold. Limit screen time. That's a good one. Anybody else? You remember our um, common rule book? He had some great tips about how to structure our lives. The, the trellis, um, that the, the rules were the, the trellis that helps our faith grow so that the vine doesn't just become matted and not, not fruitful. Um, that little circle thing that he did. I love that. Anybody else? All right. So places that I have found peace, camping, kayaking, being on the water in particular, um, visiting with friends after I've had recharge time. I'm an introvert like my pastor. Um, so I need my recharge time before I start connecting. So at the, at the end of a semester, I realized I need some days to just sit and read a fun book and kind of push everything else aside. And then once I'm done with that, I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's visit with friends. Let's get things done. Let's get caught up on these other things. Um, there was a specific time when I felt a pervading peace, and it was at a difficult time in my life. Um, I went camping with the Leonards. So Callie and Noah were small. Katie and Benjamin were with Tom. So it was probably within the first year of the divorce. And um, we were sitting around the fire one morning. You know, the kids were playing, the fire was crackling, and I just kind of cocked my head, and I was just like, what is this? And it was just this pervading peace. It's like all is right with the world. You know, God is good and all is right with the world. It doesn't matter about the divorce. It doesn't matter about this. It's like God is so good and he's got me. Um, you know, I was camping, so I was out in nature. I was away from the normal hustle and bustle of my household. And I was with friends. Um, I was in nature. And I was relaxed. I had unstructured time. Um, Brene Brown was one of, she read Dare to Lead, uh, she wrote Dare to Lead, and that was one of the books we read in our classes, and one of the things she mentioned about her recharge time with her family was unstructured time, and I was just like, oh, I love that. I didn't have a word for it before, but just to be able to sit down and decide, what do I feel like doing right now? What would recharge me? And, you know, is it, you know, and just think about it, and then be able to do it, or do nothing. I'm not very good at doing nothing. Um, even when I'm resting, you know, I read a book. So 
those are some ideas that I've had. Swing my hammock. I love it. I like to. I like to do that. So, some other practical light. Those are things that are for me. But other ideas, you know, call a friend you haven't talked to for a while, um, and you know, have a meal with family or friends with without the phones. Put the phones in the other room and just have conversation and enjoy eating together, enjoy cooking together, and enjoy cleaning up together. Um, walk outside in nature, take a stroll, and, and, you know, not at the fast pace, not trying to get your exercise on and getting your, you know, get your body moving and your heart rate up, just taking a stroll and enjoying nature, enjoying the Lord. Um, swinging in your hammock, I already said that one. So one of the ways that I'm going to begin making a change, I actually started trying to make this change yesterday, and it's already a process and not, I need to post it on my steering wheel. That's what I need. Um, there are times where I become impatient, and I've been, been able to identify two places that it seems to be chronic. One is driving, and one is in the grocery store. So <laughs> I, I said, okay, I was working on this yesterday. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit in the driver's seat, and before I turn on the car, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, give me shalom while I drive so that I can be a patient driver and not be impatient with the people doing this in traffic or doing this in traffic, doing nothing in traffic, um, and help me to be able to be loving there. And sometimes in the grocery store, I get a little cranky too, so praying the same thing before I go into the grocery store. So those are my practical tips for something that I don't have mastered and I don't need. And I've, I, I do need the post-it on my steering wheel because I've had trouble starting that even since yesterday. Um, there's, one other, there's one other image I wanted to share with you. Uh, one of my girlfriends, long time ago, early in my recovery process, she talked about protecting your peace. And... Um, she said, it's like there's a pot, and your plant is in the middle of this pot, but it's so new that it's like the winds could, like, rip it out. Um, and so when the winds are coming, it's like you, you intentionally cup your hands around it to give it time to let the roots grow down into the dirt and get strong so that it can stand. Um, you know, palm trees can handle all of those hurricanes down in Florida, and you're just more amazed that they don't flop over. Uh, but it's that idea that you intentionally protect your peace. Um, uh, and I think for me, those active words, you know, protecting your peace is important. It has to be intentional. It has to be active. The other, the other word is pursuing peace. Sometimes I think you have to pursue it, and it's even more um, active than that image of protecting. Now it's like you're having to go out after it if you're pursuing it. Um, my daughter has a tattoo that's pretty interesting about peace. It's like peace like war must be waged. Um, so that, that creates a different image, but the idea that it's not something that comes easily. And I would venture that in our American society that peace is not a common characteristic trait or virtue. I don't know if peace counts as a virtue, um, but it is something that will make us stand out. You know, Jesus told us that Others will know us by our love for each other, having that kingdom of God community where we love each other, care for each other, we know what's going on with each other, and um, that's a way that we stand out and people can be drawn 
to Jesus. They will want to know what makes you different. So having that love and having that peace, that makes us different. We stand out in a positive way, not in a negative way. Um, so I challenge each of you to take one step each day in at least one area, family, community, home, work. Um, take, take one step each day towards pursuing peace. So shalom to you all. God bless. Amen.